Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, October 26th, 2021. Well, yesterday we talked about the subject of hope and really focusing on our destination in the Christian life and how even though the journey will be painful, when we think about where it is that we are going and really who it is that we will be with, Jesus Christ, we can rejoice right here, right now uh, because of this future hope that we have. Today, we're going to see another way, really, that hope should affect our lives, and we're going to see how hope leads to holiness, and we're going to see that again in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 25, and starting in verse 13, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there, getting our minds ready, and my Bible has a footnote uh, that talks about preparing your minds for action. The more literal translation is girding up the loins of your mind. And they've translated that into preparing your minds for action, because that might make sense to us, where girding up the loins of your mind, what in the world are we talking about? Well, picture a Roman soldier, and lots of times the the more ancient clothes, they would be wearing a robe that'd be kind of flowing um, even down around their legs where when you're going into battle, uh, the loose ends of that robe might trip you up, literally. So they would often kind of take those loose ends and kind of tie them up around their waist area, girding up their loins, preparing for action and for battle. And that's what we have to do with our minds. We have to tie up the loose ends of our minds and prepare for battle. And how do we do that? And what does that lead to? It leads to setting your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is what we want to do. We want to set our hope fully on the revelation that will be brought to us, or on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Even just thinking again back to yesterday and this inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And just this living hope that we have, we want to set our hope completely on that. We want to go all in on that hope. Well, what is that going to lead to? Then we see that in verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passion passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So there we see this hope leads to holiness. When we set our hope fully on the grace of Christ, we then are inspired to live holy lives. Even just thinking of this subject, I'm reminded of what it says of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 on a very similar theme, how faith and that hope in the future inspired him to present holiness. 
Consider what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 24. It says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He had his hope fully set on the future, fully set on the reward in God, and then that enabled him to say no to sin and even yes to being mistreated and to suffering with the people of God. So hopefully that inspires us. And just think of the temptations you might face and think, no, what's better than that? What's better than those temptations? The reward, the future, the, the return of Christ, this inheritance that we have. And think about uh, the hope that you have in the face of the temptations that you have and set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And hope leads to holiness, but holiness doesn't just have one motivation. Some of our motivations for holiness are really looking forward to the future grace of God, but some also do look look backwards, uh, as we see in verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So not only should we look forward and hope, but also as we fight against sin, we should look back and consider Christ died for my sin. My sin is forgiven because Jesus Christ shed his blood for me. Why do I want to do that anymore? And that motivation should help us as well. So again, what temptations are you going to face this week? Think about looking forward to the revelation of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in that and the inheritance that we have and look backward to consider the precious blood of Christ that saved you from sin. Now, also, as we consider hope, we see a picture of hope today in our Old Testament reading as we look at Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah 32, and it tells this story of how Jeremiah is told to buy a field there in Israel during the, the siege of Jerusalem. And you can tell he's bewildered by that. And he goes into what is a pretty incredible prayer, uh, just talking to God and just saying things about God that I think would be helpful for us to learn in our own prayers, but God comes back to him and reminds him, well, this is why the judgment is coming. This is why this city is going to be destroyed. But then he also reminds him of the hope that the people of Israel had. And we see that more starting in verse 36, where it says, now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning this city of which you say it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. Behold, I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation, and I will bring them back to this place, and I will make them dwell in safety, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. And he goes into all of this, and he talks about how people will buy fields, Again, And so that's the picture that Jeremiah is supposed to uh, fill out. 
Now, this is tied back to some of the specific events and specific prophecies, but I think we do see a sense of we serve a God that we can hope in, and we serve a God that will bring about this plan of redemption, and ultimately in the grand sense, uh, even in the future now, as we think of the things that God will do uh, to make everything right, and the coming kingdom, and the inheritance and eternity in heaven. So as we think of those things, I hope that just encourages us as we think about our hope in the future. We look at the story in Jeremiah and just are reminded of who God is and the hope uh, that he brings. And just even as we think about the faithfulness of God uh, that we see here in Jeremiah and the faithfulness that inspires just us to hope in our inheritance and to set our hope fully on the revelation of Jesus Christ and the grace that we will receive there, I'm reminded of Psalm 119 in our section today, verses 89 through 96, which begins by saying, "'Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens.'" Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. So there it even just ties creation into the faithfulness of God. And God's word is fixed in the heavens, just like the, the stars and the planets, right? They, they rotate and uh, they revolve all, every year. Um, and, and we see all of these things happening, um, it's it, it's faithful. Well, God's word is firmly fixed in the heavens and God's faithfulness endures throughout all generations. We can trust him. We can hope in him. Our hope will not be wasted in the Lord. And I loved verse 92 from our reading today. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. And I hope that encourages some of you who might be going through affliction or a hard time in your life. Delight in the law of the Lord. Find your refuge in there. Because he says, if I wouldn't have... I would have perished. And I think many of us will go through seasons in our lives where we will be able to say the same thing. I've just been through something hard, and if I hadn't been delighting and holding on to God's word, I wouldn't have made it. If I wouldn't have been holding on to that hope that we've been seeing in 1 Peter, I wouldn't have made it. May we hold on to God and his faithfulness through his word. Now, finally, we look at John chapter 5, verses 18 through 29 today. And as I've been teaching through the Gospel of John for the last couple of years at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, uh, there's a lot of things in the Gospel of John that point to the deity of Christ. And some very famous verses like John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, uh, and the Word was God. And we're in John 8, where Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. These kind of stand out, the I am statements as well, as statements of the deity of Christ. Well, one that I wasn't as familiar with before going through this book was John chapter 5. Because you see in verse 17, where we ended our reading yesterday, Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. And then we get into today's reading in verse 18, where it says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And so there we, we see they understand he's making a claim of deity. He is making the claim of divinity. That's what his opponents believe. And then there's no verse that just kind of jumps out at you necessarily as, as something as flashy as John 1, 1 or some of the I am statements. But what I want you to see in this response is they are about to kill him. They, they want to kill him because he is making himself equal with God. And then look at his response. He doesn't say, whoa, 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 guys, 
I, I would never do that. That's blasphemy. Of course I'm not making myself equal with God. No, that is not what he does. He doesn't back down. He doubles down. And then you see the statements when you consider the context that they want to kill him. No, he is doubling down on his assertion. He is not disagreeing with them. And he's actually really affirming what he has said. I mean, when he says things like this in verse 21, for as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will, right? That is a statement of equality with the father. And he is not backing down from these statements. So even just as you think through the deity of Christ and just verses and passages that you would consider as biblical reasons why you believe that, add John 5 to that list. Jesus Christ, he is equal with the Father. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And someday Jesus Christ is going to return. And that is a day that we should hope in. And our hope in that day should lead to holiness. And I hope that encourages you today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.